What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and our shortcomings, Lord, and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Have you have kept us well, Lord, in perfect peace. I'm asking, Lord, that you continue to do so. I'm asking, Lord, that every day that we can have you formed in us, because Christ in us, Lord, is the hope of glory. So I'm asking, Lord, that while we go through this process, that you keep our minds, Lord, that you keep our bodies, that you keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. I'm asking that you raise us up, Lord, a mighty people, a mighty army to do your will. For, Lord, the life that is inside of you, we are supposed to resuscitate to others. We are the light and salt of the earth, Lord. So we are supposed to be that preservative of your word that we may go out and preach and teach and proclaim the gospel, Lord, winning souls to you. I'm asking, Lord, that you give us more time, Lord, to do all that you call us to. For, Lord, our work has just begun. You said the laborers are few and the harvest is many. The harvest is great. So I'm asking, Lord, at this time that we bring in a harvest like never before. We know, Lord, that you'll take care of everything that we need, everything that's going to happen. Lord, because along with our needs, Lord, you will supply them, even in the highways and byways, through all hurt, harm, and danger. I'm asking right now, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, confusion, jealousy, hatred, malice, all things, Lord, that have nothing to do with your spirit, Lord. Let them be canceled and moved out of the way. I proclaim in the name of Jesus, Lord, that these things be done. All distractions, all things, Lord, that try and keep our minds away from your word, I'm asking that they be bound. Let us wear our helmets of salvation, Lord. Let us wear our breastplates of righteousness. Give us a shield of faith, Lord. Prepare us each and every day to do your will. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are almighty God, faithful, just, and true, worthy to be praised. Lord, do these things for your glory. Do them for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called the, um, the Tongue, the Deadliest Member of Them All. So that's going to be the name of it. But before we get started, uh, we have two people that are going to present something. I know Jake is going to come up. He's got something, and then Ryan's going to present something also. So you guys uh, care who goes first? or Paper, scissors. Go for it. All right, cool. That's nice. I feel like I'm in a mafia meeting right now. Alright, so it's going to be Psalm 23. And I think we've probably already gone over this or read it before, but I'm going to read it again. And let me know when everybody's there. It's short, so I won't take too much of your time. But 
Yeah, just the. I'm, I'm just going to read the whole thing. No, Psalm 23, not one. Yeah. Okay. 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 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For art, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I picked that because it's just a steady reminder of God being our provider and our protector. And it just... He threw it to me. He threw other psalms at me, but I had to pick one, and that I felt was the perfect one. So, I wanted to share it. So, thanks. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you know, it. Um, that was one reason why, um, you know, we were trying to get everyone to present something. Dick came to me with that a while back, where he wanted us to, you know, someone should bring a psalm, someone brings this, a word for the day, you know, or whatever, because it keeps us all participating as a body. You know, so Jake's been doing this. He's going to probably bring a psalm every every week, you know, when he comes up. You know, we have Christina doing a word. Ryan is also doing a word. So, you know, it's kind of good that we get everyone active so we can be familiar with this and be able to present it. Sure. All right, so I guess Ryan is up next. All right, so I'm going to bring you all to 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. temptation taking you but such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with temptation also make a way to escape that you may able to be bear, may be able to bear it wherefore my dearly beloved flee from idolatry see verse 14 I was a bit confused on why they brought that up right after you know right after they said you know the Lord will give you an escape for temptation and they said flee, I'd flee from idolatry, mainly for uh, for a couple, well, no, big reason. Uh, the Lord is a jealous God. Alright, uh, let's go to Jeremiah 2 and 27. Just pass Isaiah. Two and one. 
2 and 27. Actually, I'm going to go in 2 and 26. One up. <laughs> All right. As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, and their priests, and their prophets, saying to a stock, Thou art my father, and to a stone, Thou hast brought me forth. For they have turned their back unto me, and not their face. But in the time of their trouble they will say, Arise, and save us. But where are thy gods that thou hast made, made thee? Let them arise, if they can save thee in the time of the trouble. For according to the number of the cities are the gods, O Judah. Uh, let's go to uh, Judges 10 and 13. have forsaken me and served other gods wherefore I will deliver you no more go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation so basically I mean hey if you're into idolatry you know the Lord's going to have you go and ask them for help alright <laughs> hey if, if you're not serving him with all your heart you know he's going to tell you to go search somewhere else for help I mean, unless you're really seeking him with all your heart, all right? If it, there's there's a way to do that, all right? So if you go and seek him with all your heart, he's going to give you a way out, honestly. Uh, but, I mean, why do you think people keep thinking, like, in their heads, oh, I need to change, but the first thing that comes up to their mind is, oh, I should see a therapist. <laughs> I, I should go go uh, see a chiropractor because my back hurts. I mean, man, they're seeking the things of the world. They shouldn't be. I mean, they should be asking the Lord to heal them or make things right. Right, let's go to uh, Romans 6 and 16. It's so true. that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So basically, if you're serving this world, like it doesn't matter if the Lord tells you what, what to do anyways, you're still going to disobey him. I mean, hey, you got you to gotta be following the Lord, seeking after him. Otherwise, you're just, he's just going to tell you, you know, why would he try to help you? you know, he's just going to be like, hey, go ask your, go ask your friends over there. Like, they'll help you out, Seems right? like he has a personality similar to ours. You know, yeah. like the personality he gave us is one that he has. You know, not that he's like us, but, mm -hmm. you know, he has feelings too. And we have to keep that in mind. Even though he's God, I mean, you know, if we have a heart that can be hurt, imagine how much more sensitive his heart is. Seriously. You know, for one that loves for real. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, last thing I'll get to, and then I'll turn it over to Derek, is uh, Exodus 34. 
Sorry, I don't mean to make you guys jump all around. Good practice. I'm right. Thirty-four. Thirty-four and twelve. Alright. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other gods. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Mm-hmm. All right. Whoa, I didn't either. When I read it, but it didn't stick. And he's got every right to be jealous. You know, godly jealousy. Seriously. Every right. When he gives us, I mean, how he does it, you know, just to allow us to do things on our own, you know, and... Give each and every person breath, each and every person salvation. I mean, he's just everywhere, you know, at all times doing his job as God. Seriously. Yeah. All right. Now from there, I'll turn it over to Derek. That's cool, I never saw that one either. (laughs) I might have read right over it. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, we're going to cover the tongue today because I'll tell you, the tongue has got to be responsible for more sin than just about anything. I mean, you know, it's, it's in that place where it can appear like you're not doing much. But, I mean, you can just tear down lives just with the power of the tongue, the things that the tongue can do and, and you know, will do and won't do. So we have to be really careful with that because, you know, the Bible speaks a lot about it. We're going to cover a lot of that today. But right now, let's start with James 1, and then we'll uh, get right in. James 3, verse 1. This, uh, for starting off, is the best demonstration of or explanation of our tongues. We just take it so lightly, but, man, we really should think before we speak. Because it really, you know, the Bible even speaks against jesting. Like, I guess, you know, there's nothing wrong with joking or whatever. But when it becomes a lifestyle, when all you're doing is being silly, when you can be presenting the word or getting into that, even the Lord finds that as, you know, somewhat offensive. And, you know, I began to think about that, how Jesus himself, if you ever noticed, he only said things that were important. I mean, think about it. Even when people had asked him questions... He always answered right to the point, and then, you know, whatever needed to be said or understood was there, and then you didn't hear anything else until someone else asked him another question. So, I mean, it just makes you wonder the the way that God thinks and the way that he speaks compared to the way that we speak. And when others had caught the Holy Ghost after, after Acts, the second chapter, 
they were the exact same way. They were just so right to business, you know, so about what needed to be done. And that's what we probably need to do as we go further. I think the more that we go into pursuing winning souls and doing the Lord's will, I think the less time we'll have for games because we'll really be in the thick of the war and things will really be going on. That you need your God for instruction, you know, and understanding. So, um, all right, this is James uh, 3 and 1. My brethren, be not many masters, uh, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, and not, I mean, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle uh, the whole body, Behold, he, he puts bits in the horses' mouths, and that they obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though uh, they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Whithersoever uh, the governor listeth, like I guess the captain of the ship, whatever way he decides for it to go. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter of a matter a little fire kindleth. And that's true. You know, a lot of people the comparison they're making here, you can fall asleep on your couch smoking a cigarette and before you know it, your whole home is in a blaze. But it all started with just a little bit of light at the end of a, you know, cigarette. Mm -hmm. And the and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. I mean, now that sounds so serious, because think about the fact that, um, you know, even when you come to, when you think about sin, how it can begin in just small talk. You know, little things that might be on your mind, you think they're no harm, I'll flirt a little bit, you know, say this, say that. Before you know it, you guys are talking dirty, and before you know it, you're involved in sin. You know, even the fact that you can see brethren themselves being torn apart, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, by little rumors. Little things that are said, you know, something that may not have been a, been a big deal. Oh, I realize that, you know, when we're there, they act funny like they don't know anybody. Little things like that can come up, and then before you know it, someone else looks, yeah, I see what you mean. Then another person comes and says something, and then before you know it, you got discord. Just from one little, you know, thing said of slander from the side can, I mean, just destroy so many things and turn things in half, tear things in half. So it says, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and, um, and of things in the sea is tamed and have been tamed of mankind. So this is true. You can go to the zoo, you can go to the circus, you know, all things that man has gained dominion over, you know, that he's done. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, again, they're talking about how deadly a poison it is. You know, so many things have come from rumors. I mean, as we're going to read in a few, you could even commit murder with your mouth. You can mess around and say the wrong thing about someone. Now, you might just be, you know, going through your daily 
you know, rumors you like to spread or, you know, gossip. You can just go and tell someone, oh, yeah, well, did you know that such and such was cheating or whatever? And, then, you know, and everybody gets in on that. But you didn't know that you were talking to her. You know, her cousin was over there who's got like what? A criminal record that's a murderer. So now he hears this and then he's going to go and deal with the matter. And all it was was just small gossip. So, you know, you don't understand how at some points that things can just turn into big things just based on little things. And the heart itself is just, I mean, the, the tongue itself is just such a difficult thing to control. I don't know what it is. I mean, even when you hear people gossip, it's just so funny. You could be standing around, but then there's something there that just makes you want to, yeah, I want to get in on this. And you can feel the spirit telling you, hey, get out of that. You know, go walk away. You know, don't look their way. Don't talk their way. Just go. But we just have this thing for, you know, being involved in that. So it's saying that you can curse with the tongue. Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be, ought, ought not so to be. So, you know, it's just telling you here that we should be really speaking well of people. You know, the old saying, if you got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. Now, I'm not acting like I got this figured out, believe me, because there's people that can offend me, do things to me, and I find myself thinking or saying something, and then I'm like, oh, Lord, forgive me. You know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought it. So, you know, these are things that uh, we're going to talk about today because it really is difficult to control the tongue. We really do have to think before we speak, and I'll tell you why. Let's go to, um, let's go to Matthew 12. You don't want to add anything or say anything or all right, well uh, Matthew twelve and thirty-four. Matthew twelve and thirty-four, and it says, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. I think if we really understood this, we'd have a lot less trouble in our lives because, you know, I've tried to use the, um, the thing where you'll hear one of the, the biggest subjects where you see things like this play out is like the um, racism. You know, when you hear things about race and people will always start out, this is so funny, like when they want to spread a rumor, they'll say, I'm not prejudiced or nothing, but... <laughs> That's what you hear from everybody. I'm not prejudiced or nothing, but, and then they just start speaking or whatever. And you're sitting there thinking, what difference does it make if you're just talking about a regular person? So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. And you know, there's some people, um, I heard this comedian a long time ago. He said, you know, that people will say, well, I'm not racist. You know, I had three black people over my house one time. <laughs> And then, then, you know, the comedian said, if you know how many black people have been over your house, then you are very racist. I mean, if you think about it, because what are you doing? Just sitting there counting or, you know, trying to figure it out. But, you know, when you open your mouth and you say things, it says so much about you. Even profanity, the word profanity comes from the word profane, which means that which makes a temple dirty. So if you're speaking profanity, then what's in you is what's coming out of you. 
You know, what a person has on their mind, they can't keep out of their mouths when it's in their hearts. Even when people have heard us in the past and, you know, people will tell you, oh, okay, um, or you'll tell them, I forgive you. I forgive you, it's fine, it's over with. But the second that person upsets you or says something that brings your mind back to where you were, there you are again bringing up what happened before. Why? Because it was still in your heart. You hadn't really forgiven that person. And remember, Jesus said, there's nothing from without a man that defileth a man, but that which is inside. So we really have to be careful with what we say, because it is a living witness to what's inside of us. All right, so he says, uh, 35, a good man out of a good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of an evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, that's terrifying. I mean, if you think about it, because, I mean, when I read this, I wanted to say, Lord, anything that I've ever said back when I was young, ever since I could speak, whatever it was, can you just cancel that in the name of Jesus? Forgive me in my ignorance. Let me move forward from here. Because we all know that we've said things that have condemned others, that have hurt others, that have destroyed others, whether we realize it or not. We all know that this tongue has done such a thing like this that just needs to you know, you need to gain control over it. And I mean, it's not easy, you know, but this is probably, I think that if we tackle the tongue, we are about 75% home and being sanctified. That's true. I I'm not kidding. Yeah, good. Sorry. No, I said amen. I was disagreeing. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a problem. So it says, uh, let's go to, if anyone wants to add anything, they can. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. Um, something I said in the last study that I did where it said, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the issues that churches have these days today are you got so much slander, you got backbiting, you got gossiping, and the last place that that should be is in the church because that's where you go to grow, that's where you go to get clean and mm -hmm. healed. And how are you supposed to do that when you got people t t sitting there and chatty Cathy about what somebody's wearing? Well, maybe that's all they got to wear. Oh, yeah. Know? I remember hearing that, too, in churches. Oh, look at her yellow hat with her green shoes. How does that go together? You know, and it's like, so what? But this is these are the things that people would think about in church mm -hmm. instead of, like Sarah said, worshiping the Lord. So you know that when we're like that, that's something that truly needs to be dealt with because that's not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Matter of fact, let's go to Galatians 5 real quick. And there are a lot of things that are going to go on, you know, that really cause the tongue to do that. You know, there's other spirits we're going to tackle as far as these um, teachings are concerned because you have, you know, rejection itself can cause a person to slander, to do a lot of things. You know, it can cause a person to lie if you've been hurt in your life. You know, if you want to be somebody, these things all have a lot to do with what's in the tongue. 
So the tongue itself is not just bad. You know, there's a lot of other things that light the fire to this. I remember being a kid and, uh, you know, kids in school might have seen a movie or something that I wanted to see. And, you know, I didn't get to see it, but they'll ask me if I saw it as a kid. And I'm, oh, yeah, I saw it. Why? Because everyone else had seen it. So now I'm stuck out there and then they'll say, oh, so what was it about? And instead of me saying, oh, no, I didn't see it because now I'm out there. Oh, well, you know, and then you try and bring up something on a preview. And then you got everyone else laughing and talking about the movie and you're there like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. See, all of that just to be accepted should have just been, you know what, I didn't see it. Then you get to hear what everyone else has to say. So there's so many things that bind us, you know, to letting your tongue be loose because we might want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be someone important. And those things are just not of God. So Ephesians, I mean, Galatians 5 and uh, 19. And it says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is kind of like, you know, wrongful, lustful desires, you know, um, uncleanness, of course, everyone knows that. Fornication is the Greek word pornia, which means all type of illicit sexual activity. That's where they get the word pornography. There's adultery. Idolatry on here, you know, like Ryan talked about, will probably be the biggest thing on this list that people are going to struggle with and probably send people to hell because you can idolize so many things that you don't think you are idolizing. So those are things that need to be taken care of. Then there's witchcraft. You know, um, a lot of people don't think they're into this. I always tell men and women, you find yourself going into places, you know, you got your little strut going on if you're a woman. You're flashing them baby blues or baby browns. You know, you're trying to get this guy's attention. You know, you're speaking soft and sweet. You're sitting there flirting. He's trying to be a normal guy. But there you find yourself. That's a form of witchcraft. Why? Because you're trying to seduce or you're trying to... What's that? Manipulate. Manipulate. You know, a way to, to have things your way. So it isn't just in the other stuff that people get into. Then there's hatred, variance. Emulations, which is kind of like trying to be people you've seen, trying to be people other than yourself. That's a big problem, you know, there, because the Lord made us all as individuals. He made us all to be our individual selves. He's only going to work through what he made. What the Lord might have given one person, he may give someone else something different. But we have to recognize those things and let the Lord work through us. Because, you know, early on, I tried to imitate a lot of people, too, you know, that I've seen, you know, in videos and things like that. But you can only do that for so long before you, you know, you want to do what the Lord says. So then there's wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, uh, of which I tell you before, as I have uh, also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. So we're talking a total different nature, you know, as far as love is going, as far as gentleness, as far as doing the things that the Lord calls us to, having his, his um, fruit grown in us. So that we can be righteous, we can think right, we can do right, we can say all the things that need to be said. 
We talk like God. We act like God. We think like God. So these are things that we need to have grown in us so that we're not out there slandering and doing all the other things. Because, you know, I, I've, people have even worn bracelets saying, what would Jesus do? You know what? If your inside ain't cleaned out, that bracelet doesn't mean a thing. Okay? You will still do what you've been doing because there's the inside that needs to be cleaned out. Well, let's go to Proverbs 15 real quick. 15 and 15 and Proverbs 15 and 1 it says a soft answer turneth away wrath but grievous words stir up anger the tongue of the wise useth knowledge alright alright but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness now I mean again like we said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks you know, it's funny when you start getting closer to the Lord and he starts showing you the things that are most important. And then you find yourself either having to work with people or be with people that are of the world. And I'll tell you, you know how close you are to the Lord when you hear the things that come out of their mouths, how you react to it. Because some people just make you want to get away. You don't even want to deal with that. And then there's others, you know, you may find yourself engaging in it because you're still like them. So, you know, there are times you may... Like I said, not engage in a lot of filthy talking things, and you're surrounded by people that are. And, I mean, it just makes you sick inside because you're feeling like, man, this is dirty. Somebody's going to, you're going to say something? Yeah, it's been an interesting week. The, uh, I didn't have to work for FedEx this, this last week, so I had applied for a different job. UPS. No, <laughs> but I actually I have another job. So actually, currently I have four jobs, which is jeez. Um, <laughs> I don't do all of them at the same time. <laughs> but I got a job working at Troutdale Sand and Gravel driving a concrete truck, and it pays really good. Right. But going around delivering concrete to all these different job sites, the kind of stuff that the the guys that I've been riding with. I, I was driving it too. I mean, he I just kind of switch off. He just showed me how to do it, and I just drive along mm -hmm. and deliver it. But the guy I was driving with says he's a believer, but you know, he gets out there and he starts talking dirty with you know, just you know sexual talk uh, mm -hmm. about just wrong things to, with the other guys out there, and you know, then they all start talking it, and it's like <laughs> this is not right at all. And I noticed that every single job site, he do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, and then just the whole, well, I don't know if anybody here has been on concrete jobs before, but it's such a, a high-stress uh, job, <laughs> high-stress job, because they have to get the stuff poured within like an hour, and sometimes they're pouring 10 yards at a time. So everyone's mad, everyone's, it's just, it's just a bad situation. I mean, it pays really good, but I don't know what in the world you can do. So it kind of makes me unhappy to drive there. 
just kind of rough people you're dealing with. I don't really care for contractors a lot of times with the way they are. Right. And I'm not really sure what in the world to do. So. Eric, just keep praying about it. God already yeah. gave, he gave you four jobs. Like tomorrow, if I'm gonna, if I'm actually gonna do it or not, because I have to let the school district know if I'm gonna quit or not tomorrow. No, you really do have to be careful, and even over where the hotel that I am, you know, you hear the music, you hear people come over there wanting to go to the bathroom, or you know, you know, you see drunken people leaving the hotel and everything, and. You know, it kind of does weigh on you to where I find myself just staying in the hotel, not even really wanting to go outside and get air because it's like that same atmosphere there, people doing the exact same things that I had once been a part of that I escaped. And, you know, um, we are going to make a point concerning that, too, because much of what we take in is dependent on whom we're around. Like the Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? You can't. I mean, you might pretend. There's even times, man, I remember I was getting closer to the Lord, and, you know, I would be around the bouncers that I used to hang out with, and I wasn't cursing and doing a lot of the things that they were doing, but the funny thing was they even said to me, there's something about you that's different. It's almost like you don't fit in anymore. So there really is like a nature, because I was trying real hard to be like them, even though I wasn't, you know, doing other things. But I'm, oh, yeah, look at this guy. You know, we may have to throw him out tonight, you know. And they're looking at me like, you're not even the guy we remember. Like, there's just something about you I don't like anymore, you know. So it was like the Lord started pulling me away from certain things. So when you're really, you know, in the gospel and you're feeding yourself on the word of God and you're being washed by the water of the word, you really do change in nature whether you want to or not. This thing will convert you all by itself. All right, so it says, um, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness uh, therein is a breach in the spirit. Now, I can testify to this, like I said, what we were talking about, being around people of corrupt speech, it just does something to you. I mean, you really feel dirty being in that atmosphere. You know, it's just something in you where, you know, you just never had it. But, it's you know, a lot of people play it cheap like, oh, I'm not worried about it. It's not going to do anything to me. You know, I can be me and serve the Lord and somewhat hang around the world, too, and keep that happy medium. But we're going to find out that you can't. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 2. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you see it though. I mean, when you really are, when the Lord is really working with you, people feel ashamed in your presence all by themselves, and it's not a holier than thou thing. It's just, you know, I remember um, running into people I hadn't seen in a while, and they say, "Hey, what's up with you? Like, what are you up to?" And I'm like, "I'm good. How are you?" Yeah, you know, I just went to the club. You know, I was with my girl, and blah blah blah. And you know, they're telling me all worldly stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, cool." So what are you up to? Well, actually, I'm getting ready for Bible study tonight and all of that. It's so funny how they react like, oh, yeah, I go to church, too. You know, like, um, yeah, I went last week and everything, you know. But, you know, at that moment, they just want to hide because they just told you everything about themselves. But when they find out that something in you is changing, now it's time to get out of here. All right, man, I'll talk to you later. Take care. All right, so it says, Second Peter what? 
uh, 2 and, and 6. Alright, Second Peter 2 and 6, and it says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after uh, should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So we understand here that even Lot was, you know, at one point was a good man. Now you remember what happened to him after Genesis 19. I mean, he was so defiled. Even though that the Lord saved him because of Abraham praying for him. But, you know, he had a drunken affair with his daughters. And, you know... Yeah, that's where uh, the Ammonites and the Moabites come from, Lot and his two daughters. But the thing is, is, you know, he became that corrupted and defiled, just being in the company of it day to day, that it vexed his soul. Now, the Bible never says whether Lot was saved or not. You know, I don't know. You know, I would imagine not, <laughs> you know, considering how he lived and the things that he was doing. So, you know, this is one reason why... I'm not trying to preach holier than thou, but I am saying when your nature begins to change in the Lord, you just can't do the things that you used to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it will grab a hold of you and it will hang on tight. So, you know, we have to know that being in the wrong company, being around the wrong communication and conversation, it's contagious. It will rub off on you. You know, there is no in between. All right, where are we going next? Uh... Since we're here, let's go to 1 Peter 3 and 10. Uh, let's go to 9. 1 Peter 3 and 9. And it says, Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Now, you know, a lot of people, guile means like deceiving. You know, these sorts of things even occur, you know. Um, Sometimes it can be done in good fun, you know, just trying to tell an entertainment, entertaining story and you exaggerate a little bit. You know, exaggerating is a nice word for lying, you know, but the thing is, is, you know, you have to be honest about your experiences and things that you do. You know, a lot of the times, you know, people will tell stories about their lives, um, even if they are true, but to try and get someone to either like or sign off or, and, and validate them. So those are things we also have to be careful with because, you know, that's a kind of bragging, you know, just to get people to maybe like you more. So, you know, we got to really be careful with these things. And like I said, the tongue, it's a very difficult thing to take a hold of and control. You know, it, it really is. I can think of so many experiences where me saying something at the wrong time, you know, has brought so much trouble in people's lives. And again, like Sarah said, church is one of the biggest places that this occurs. I don't know what it is about people that when they come to the Lord and they start getting right, I mean, unless you can control that, it's like a holier-than-thou thing that pops up with people. 
you start feeling like you learn a little bit of this Bible, you know a little bit of something, and automatically you're ready to go and preach it to somebody and forget all about what you've been through in your life, you know, and, and pushing condemnation and trying to throw other people under the bus. Now, I'm not saying we're not supposed to present the gospel, but there is something that happens to a person when they begin to experience the Lord, how the enemy can take that little bit of enthusiasm and throw you on the other side of the track where you're not even trying to be godly now and, and being kind to people. You're throwing stuff in their face, trying to get them to conform to you. So those are things you've got to be careful with because then that's pride at work. Pride also makes the tongue move like it does. So, you know, we have to be very, very careful concerning those things. Uh, let's go to James 1 and 26. You know, this is talking about religion because, you know, there were times I felt I had to watch myself up here, you know, speaking. Because sometimes you can be feeling good and feeling in the spirit. And there's something about the spirit that just makes you feel bold. You know, like, I don't care. Get myself ready. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. And, you know, you get into all of that macho stuff. And then before you know it, you're not following the Lord at all. Like, that's not even of the Spirit of God. So you find yourself telling, you know, saying things that you probably shouldn't say, trying to appear more than what you are. Like if someone says something and you get into a debate with them, all of a sudden now you've lost what you were trying to present in the gospel, and it goes completely from the Lord now, mm -hmm. all about you and wanting you yourself or ourselves to be right. So it's no longer about Christ anymore when you get into a debate. Exactly, because the Holy Ghost is only going to dwell in an area where there is no discord, where there is peace. The Holy Ghost works in a peaceful atmosphere with everyone on one accord. He cannot work when there is strife, when there is contention. Those things offend the Spirit of God. And that's why, you know, for me, I will never ever bait. You know, we can talk about a debate, but we can talk about our differences in here and things like that. But when we recognize that this thing may be turning into, you know, something that it shouldn't, Hey, talk to me about it later, because other people have to learn. We want the presence of God in here. We want people to get full of the word. That's right. So, But if I go into debate, then it's about you and me. It's not even about everyone else. It's not even about the Holy Ghost. All right, uh, James 1 and 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So even when you're preaching the gospel, even when you consider yourself bringing the good news, you've got to be very careful with your tongue not to appear vain. You, get, you ask the Holy Ghost to give you the words to speak. Amen. Because many times, you know, we go out there and we preach, and we're trying to show people what we know, but that's all flesh. That's got nothing to do with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of, the, of God probably would have said, just tell this guy I love him and buy his coffee. That's all he'd have to say, and this person would want to come to Christ. But we want to, you know, well, if you look at Timothy, when he was back and doing whatever with Paul, and then if you really pay attention to what's going on here, you know, the Lord has given me revelation, and I'm trying to tell you. And I mean, it's like all of that. You just ran the Holy Ghost off. It wasn't inspired by him. It was about you trying to be more than what you are. Right. And we know that we cannot do this thing unless we have Christ formed in us. Christ has to be formed in us so that way we will have the nature of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So he's saying that this man's religion is vain. 
Now, this is only two times the Bible uses the word religion. Right, because, you know, we always speak against religion, but he's saying pure religion and, un is <laughs> and undefiled before God and his father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in, I mean, widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. There's a separation that needs to take place here, you know, so that we were not spotted by the world, but also to visit the fatherless and the widows, people in need. This is the real thing that the Lord wants the church to do. It's not all about all the religious antics and trying to get people to do things. Now, of course, we're doing things in the spirit of God because you have, you know, atheists out here that will make the argument that, well, I do these things, so I don't need a savior. I'm a good person. Hold up. If it's not inspired by the Holy Ghost, then what you're still doing is outside of God because you're trying to do it in yourself in your own effort. So he's saying that, you know, we got to watch our tongues, even when we're talking about, you know, we're do, doing religious acts or works, you know, that we have to be careful not to deceive ourselves, mm -hmm. thinking that we're talking the truth. Yeah, you might have said the truth, but was it a God thing? You might have said a true thing, but was it a thing that God would say? So we got to look for that word in season. We want him to select our words and tell us what to do. Right. But some of us don't wait that long because we're puffed up with pride. Like, ooh, I know the answer, you know, and you're just ready to fire away. And that may not be what he's calling for at all. Uh, Proverbs 6 and 16. Now, some people would say, well, our God doesn't hate. This would prove people wrong right here. Proverbs 6 and 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look. The Lord can't stand it. You know, there, there are times that people won't even admit that they're wrong or say, hey, be, you know, or, hey, thank you for that. Thank you for the correction because they're proud. I'd rather sit up there cold as a stone and not allow, not learn the truth because I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be wrong. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Mm -hmm. Now notice here. Two things on this list have something to do with lying, has something to do with the tongue. You know, these are things where out of those seven, you got two of them that focus on the tongue. So that even tells you this is the biggest problem that we will have, you know, concerning walking the walk, walking our walk with the Lord. You know, so again, you know, lying, <laughs> you know, a lot of people may think it's harmless because... They're not doing anything, but, you know, they think they're not doing anything. The Lord hears it all. There's no such thing as having a private conversation. The Holy Ghost is everywhere. Some people would say, that's my business. Well, he's getting in your business. He's going through your files. He knows all your passwords. He's got all your information. All right? There is no husband and wife secrets when the Holy Ghost is involved. So, 
you know, a big part of not lying is being real with yourself and confessing things. Mm -hmm. That's why it says confess your faults one to another. Why? It breaks pride. It won't allow you to live a lie. It won't allow you to think of yourself as more than what you are. There will be no need to lie to others because you, will, you won't have to lie to yourself. Right. You know, you're true blue. This is me. This is my situation. I'm broken. Holy Ghost, fill me. And that's when the Lord works with people, when you're broken, when you're done doing it your way, when you're done trying to be something that you're not. You know, when you're done trying to sound like something that you've heard. When you break yourself and you give yourself to the Lord, you know, the Lord will work through an individual like that, filling you. Amen. You know, and uh, this, the second one after the lying tongue is um, bearing false witness. You know, even when we say, hey, I think that's the guy, we better know for sure that it's the guy that, that did something. You know, if you don't know, then say you don't know. I'm not sure, whatever. But don't say, you know what, I think that's him right there. Because, you know, that brings speculation. You know, that brings suspicion. So you're dumping something on someone that you don't know for sure. You've got to be careful with that because of every word that we, that we say will be brought in. Every idle word. Can you imagine? Someone cut you off in traffic and, oh, bleep you. You know, look at what happens at that point. I mean, you know, look at how even that's going to be judged. You know, even, not, even when we say things nicely and your heart's not really in it. All these things are going to be judged before the Lord and sowing discord among the brethren. You know, that's um, something that the Lord takes very serious and we need to really be careful with it because the Lord loves when things are in harmony. He loves when things are in harmony. When we all we have, I mean, and, and that doesn't mean that if we're wrong that we don't get corrected. I mean, we can correct one another. If I'm doing something wrong up here, hey, tell me. You know, you can even speak to me later. You can speak to me before everybody. Hey, you know what? I don't like the way you said what you said. Okay, what's the problem? Let's talk about it. You know, but that's how things get clear. You know, when you're able to have healthy conversations to deal with things. Right. Some things need correcting. Perhaps I don't even realize I'm making this mistake. You know, I'm thinking that I'm bringing in a godly way. And you say, hey, whoa, wait a minute. You know, this right here says... You know, and, and then correction is brought so things won't proceed any further. Anyone want to add anything? I guess you guys are like, I get it. You know, watch the tongue. Be careful with the tongue. Correction is not a bad thing either because that just brings understanding. So, I mean, you should want correction if you're in the wrong anyways. Mm -hmm. That's true. Ephesians 4 and 29. No, that's very true. Please don't tell me that's my phone. It's thrown all four. <laughs> no, four. As a matter of fact, right after we do Ephesians four, we're going to go into an example of, or a few examples of what this thing is really all about. How dangerous it is. Now, those things we just can't allow ourselves to be a part of. I have a quick question. So, yeah. in that one verse that is saying, um, all those things, if you do those things, you will not be inherited in God's kingdom. But it's mm -hmm. impossible for us to not do some of them, obviously. No, totally. <laughs> and I mean, right. Obviously, not to, but. 
Well, it's all about the sanctification process. You know, relationship with the Lord will allow the Holy Ghost to show you some of these things. Because somebody you know, could look at that and go, oh, I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if we were all to be judged right now, yeah, you know, so. That's right. That's forgiveness. Exactly. You know, so that's something that, um, you know, we could never do on our own. I mean, that's something that the Lord will take from us. But, you know, let's strive. You know, let's strive to do his will. All right, so it says, um, Ephesians 4 and 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good uh, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Ghost of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of uh, redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath, hath forgiven you. So, yeah, like Karen said, these things would be very difficult to do in our own strength. But we enter into a relationship with the Holy Ghost, he will point these things out. You know, a lot of people can't hear the voice of the Lord because they don't have a relationship. I always encourage people, fast and pray, live a life of prayer. Spend time with the Lord. He'll make these things clear to you. Because right. some people would say, I want to talk to God, but I don't hear anything. It's because you've got too much of other things going on. So some things that we need to cut back on to recognize this, and the Lord will tell you. You know, hey, the Holy Ghost is straight up. Hey, you call yourself a Christian? Look at your mouth. <laughs> you know, you put on something on TV and you're watching it, and you're like, oh, I know I hear cursing. Do you? You know, oh, oh, look at this, what you're doing here. So... He will try and he will take things out of your life if you let him. But a lot of the times we hear these things and then we tell ourselves it's okay. I am going to church. I'm not fornicating anymore. I'm not doing certain things. So this should be okay. And this is where we trip up because the spirit of the Lord cannot speak to us when we make excuses for ourselves. But when we read this book and we recognize that we have a problem then those things can be worked out. So those things, you know, that's the only way is to recognize that God's way is the way. As long as you think that there's a way outside of this book, you will never do what the Lord tells you to do. Your flesh will not allow it. Your flesh will tell you, hey, let's just go out the back door. I got one more idea. I got one more crazy scheme we can go on. I think I got one more thing figured out where we can try and con God and appear to be good and not be with him. So these things have to be worked out. You know, that's the only way. So let's go to um, 1 Kings 21. Kings 21 and 1. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was uh, in Jezreel 
hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Now, Ahab and Jezebel, you guys know about them. They took over. Um, well, Ahab was the seventh king of Israel. He and his wife Jezebel pretty much started doing things, serving other gods, not following the Lord, you know, like they were supposed to because the word Jezebel means married to Baal. It's like married to Satan. And that's a very powerful spirit. We've done some, um, we've done a study on it. You know, we intend to do more, but the Jezebel spirit itself is a whorish, witchish-like spirit. You know, it's a spirit that wants to conquer men. It's a spirit that wants to destroy men. You know, really anybody that gets in its way. So the reason why he wasn't supposed to marry Jezebel is because she was married to Baal, pretty much. Her dad, F. Baal, which was a king, you know, they served Baal. He named his daughter pretty much unmarried or married to Baal. So she was involved in a lot of other practices that had nothing to do with what the children of Israel did. And because of this, great wickedness rose in the land. Okay, so we're just picking it up here that, you know, we're talking about this guy Naboth, and we're talking about Ahab, the king of Samaria. Uh, verse 2. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said unto Ahab, The Lord forbid it me, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased, because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he said, uh, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. So this coward is pouting because he didn't get his way. And the guy Naboth, who had this vineyard in his heritage for a long time, couldn't sell it. If we understand what this is really about, this is talking about your godly inheritance. This is talking about your eternal life. This is what this vineyard represented. So this is why he couldn't sell it, because it had been in his, you know, his family for a long time. A lot of people have taken this deal and, you know, sold their souls for what they consider, you know, the things of this earth. But this is what this vineyard stands for. It's a type of inheritance. All right. So, um, all right. He laid him down, turned his face, that he would eat no bread. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake to Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said unto him, Dost thou not govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So, you know, his wife is clearly wearing the pants here, even though he's the king. But she's coming to do what needs to be done to try and get the vineyard. All right, uh, verse 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to uh, nobles that were in the city dwelling with Naboth. 
And she wrote in the letter saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people, and set two men, sons of Belial, before him, and bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God uh, and the king, and they carry him out and stone him, uh, that he may die. And the men of the city, uh, even uh, the elders and the nobles, who were the inhabitants of his city, did as uh, Jezebel had sent unto them, and as it is written in the letters which she had sent unto him. So she's lying on this guy now. She sent two sons of Belial to attempt to um, take this vineyard. So basically she lied and said what she said to try and destroy him in order to get it. Um, if you understand what the two sons of Belial are here, they're going to be the same two things that the Christians themselves are going to deal with on a very big level concerning being saved and being lied on and persecuted. One represents government. The other represents religion. I'm telling you, this is, these are the two pillars that Samson pushed over when he was dealing with the uh, Philistines. The government itself always yields to certain types of religious factions to make things happen. Okay, if you want to know who's really going over to the government, putting all these things out, it's the religious system. We can't tolerate those Christians. We don't like the things that they're doing. Oh, they're uh, like, like they told Jesus that you, um, you know, cast out devils with Beelzebub. Okay, they, they always come against real authority and real power of God because why? They can't do the same things. So when the gifts begin to manifest with the people of God, when we begin to do the things of God, the two things that are going to come against us are going to be government and religion. It's going to be the false church that are going to persecute the real church. Why? Because I've made my money. I've done all these amazing things. When I recognize the fact that I don't have this power that they have, I'm not living the way that they live. If we find out, or everyone finds out that these guys are, in fact, the real Christians, then that's going to take away my empire that I built on lies. So what do I have to do? I have to make up a story to, to get rid of them so I can be where I am. So that's who these two sons of Belial represent. And the men in the city, uh, even the elders and the nobles who were in the inhabitants in his city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them, and as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth uh, on high among the people. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Uh, they uh, Then they... Uh, Carried, um, carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of thy vineyard and Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money, for Naboth... Uh, is not alive, but dead. So, you know, there were lies being told on this guy just to get his vineyard. When Jesus was uh, asked about what the end of the world and how things would be, he said, take heed that no man deceive you. 
So the biggest thing we're going to deal with is unruly tongues and lies. These things have to be worked out with us. You know, so we have to be careful with the things we say. We have to be careful with the things that people say to us that we take in. Because they can be big things that will mess with us. If you go to Proverbs 5, which we're not. But, you know, they talk about the adulteress and the way that she was very seductive and soothing. Her mouth was smoother than oil, you know, like a honeycomb. You know, just engaging a lot of these things in these conversations can break down our defenses and allow us to get caught up in things that we shouldn't get in. So the tongue is not just deadly proceeding from us. It's also from others and who we allow ourselves to speak to and take things in from. All right, uh, let's go to Mark uh, 29. I mean, Mark 3 and 29 or 27. Mark 3 and uh, 27. Let's start at 24. This is when they called Jesus Beelzebub. Again, he was doing the works of the Lord. He was casting out devils. He was healing the sick, doing all these things. And the religious crowd came against him. All right, uh, Mark 3 and 24. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath no end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sin shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith whosoever, I mean, wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never, I mean, hath never forgiveness, uh, but is in danger of eternal damnation. So, you know, what we need to do is understand, too, is what blasphemy is. If you're not sure of a work of God, my advice to you is say nothing. Because a lot of people will see things, you hear things, and you'll say, that wasn't a work of God. Oh, that was witchcraft. That wasn't of the Holy Ghost. You might have just blasphemed the Holy Ghost, perceiving what you think that is not right. Now, it says you can blaspheme the Father and the Son and be forgiven if you ask for forgiveness. But blaspheming the Holy Ghost knowingly, you can never be forgiven. And um, I wanted to, I think I'll, I'll give it to Martin, but... There's this uh, thing, it's a video called BlasphemyChallenge.com. They got people going on this um, site called, um, what's the name of that site? Uh, the Rational Response Squad. But they, they will tell you, you can go on there and make a private video saying, I deny the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Or I deny the presence of the Holy Ghost. There's an actual video, I have it in my email. 
but they're telling people to do this to have no fear in doing it. My question is, why do you think they're telling people to do this stuff? So they got a little video. There are people going on there. Yeah, I deny the father, the son. People don't understand what they're saying. And I thank, you know, God for his grace and mercy because some people may recognize that that's wrong and have a chance to turn around. But if you knowingly go on there, you're really playing with fire big time because the Holy Ghost is the apple of God's eye. When Christ left, the Holy Ghost was the only one here that could do the job. He could fill every believing vessel, go out and try and convince other vessels to come to Christ. He's fighting for the unbeliever until they come to Christ. <laughs> you know, he's doing all these things. He empowers the angels. He sits around the throne. He's down here defending the gospel, the whole kingdom of God. Now, and, and you're going to say that he's nothing or he doesn't exist or he has no power or that was an act of the devil. Man, you better know for sure what you're saying. You know, be slow to speak unless you know for a fact that something is. Because this is the kind of thing that cannot be taken back. All right? So that's one part where you really want to watch your tongue. Oh, yeah. All right, Acts 8 and um, 36 or 35. But, yeah, I couldn't believe when I saw that video. I mean, I was out of control. They had little kids on there doing it and everything. No fear wow. of God whatsoever. Yeah, it's going to bug you guys out when you see this. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to touch it, right? So it says, uh, we'll start at 33, because this is where Philip is reading the um, Isaiah, and he runs into this eunuch, you know, and um, he ministers to him, and the eunuch begins to see that, you know, his need for Jesus Christ. So it's Acts 8 and 33, and it says, in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet, I mean the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me from uh, to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thy mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot uh, to stand still. And they went down uh, both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So, you know, here this would be a type of being saved that you have to believe with your heart, but, you know, and confess it. A lot of people think if they just say, I believe in Jesus, you know, that that's pretty much the end of it. But, you know, this may bring you unto salvation, but to stay in salvation, you're going to have to use that tongue a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go to uh, Matthew 10 and 32. But isn't it amazing, though, how we have the mouth, the tongues to speak some amazing things? 
I mean, stuff that would make a dog vomit. You can, you can do all these different things and have no fear whatsoever. But when it comes down to mentioning the name of Jesus, everybody clams up. You know, that's a spiritual thing. Uh, Acts, uh, I mean, Matthew 10 and 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that uh, shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my name's sake shall find it. Again, I know a lot of times we're afraid to speak and speak up, but what comes out of our mouth is really important, even when it comes to winning souls. If you know that the Holy Ghost is telling you to say a thing while people are there, you know, and you're ashamed of the Lord to speak up and say it, that's a bad report. I'm not saying it's unforgivable. We've all done this. But the fact of the matter is, everything that we say, even in defending the faith and bringing souls unto Christ, still has something to do with this tongue. You know, the power of the tongue, because the, this is the time where the enemy would want you to shut up. Don't say that. You might lose your job. Well, you've got to have the power in the tongue and the belief in Christ to speak up about your Christ. Because we're the only hope that the world has. We are the only thing that matters as believers. Right. Everything else is dead. The Christian himself is supposed to be alive, resuscitating the life of God to the walking dead. So, you know, we have to do these things. We've got to be ready for these. John 18 and 15. You know, something interesting when he talks about his cross. Uh-huh. This is before he's been crucified. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, it wasn't even about the cross itself. Right. It was about, you know, denying self and following Jesus Christ. All right, John 18 and 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest, and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without, and went out of uh, that other disciple, uh, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith a damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also uh, one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. So now Peter just confessed something with his own words. You know, I am not. This is around the time Jesus is being crucified. You know, the disciples themselves not even understanding. How could you stop the waves? How can you do all these amazing things? And now you're letting these people beat on you. So this was something that made them deny their very faith. Because, well, like we know that he's the son of God, but why is he taking this 
You know, and, and this looks like a situation bigger than all of us. Uh, um, Peter said, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there and had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Uh, Jesus uh, answered him and spake openly to the world. I ever taught, oh, spoke openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple. Whither thou Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why, why askest uh, thou me? Ask them which heard me, and have said unto them, Behold, they know what I said. And when he had uh, thus spoken, one of the officers uh, which stood uh, by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest? Uh, so Jesus answered him, I have spoken, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Like, why would you hit me if I didn't speak any evil? Now Annas had sent him uh, bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest, and Simon Peter stood and warned himself. They said, Therefore unto him art thou also one of his disciples. He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, uh, being a kinsman whose ear uh, Peter cut off, uh, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then again, I mean, then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Because Jesus said before the cock crows, you know, you guys know the story, you'll deny me three times. It was funny how these three witnesses were brought, that it would have been impossible for Peter to lie, because one, they had seen him. Peter cut the man's ear off for Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he denied Christ, you know, wanting to, you know, out of fear. So, you know, the cock crew, everyone knows the story. Here, let's go to John uh, 21. And uh, 21 and 16. And that's why, you know, we got to be careful what we say, even in terms of amen, because amen means so be it. You know what that means? You're signing off on what was said. People say that so easy. You know, someone says something, amen. See, those religious antics that people go through, you just signed off on what someone said. You better make sure that what you said or what they said, you totally agree with instead of playing church. All right. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, uh, she returned herself and said unto, oh, I'm in the wrong place. Oops. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. Um, let's start at 15, 21 and 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, uh, they knowest uh, that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things that uh, th thou knowest, that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, 
uh, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest but uh, when thou shalt be old. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou, thou wouldest not. So, you know, long story short, the point here is that you know Jesus denied him, or Peter denied Jesus in John 18. The Lord here is asking Peter three times, taking back what Peter said. If it was not important, like Joseph Prince and all these other guys try and talk about, that you don't need to um, repent of your sins when you commit sins, those are lies from the pit of hell. If anybody tells you that and they tell you Jesus had done it on the cross already, there's no need to constantly repent after you when you commit a sin. Uh, you may not have to constantly repent of a sin, but if you commit a sin, you repent behind that sin when it's brought to your attention. Because these teachers will tell you, well, you don't need to do that. Jesus did it all. And then the argument Joseph Prince tries to make is that of uh, the prodigal son, when he returned, you know, the father hugged him with open arms. The father never said, wait a minute, did you repent? What Joseph Prince doesn't understand is the prodigal son, when his heart turned and he turned to come home and come before his father, that was a type of repentance. So, you know, I mean, he's acting like you've got to say the word repent to make his point. So he's a false prophet. We did a teaching on him Sunday, but um, you always want to make it right with the Lord. When you make a mistake, when you, when you say the wrong thing, Lord, forgive me. Because Joseph Prince feels like it's a waste of time. But then my question to him is, why can't you humble yourself before the Lord and repent? That's right. So what's wrong with that? Oh, that's a waste of time. You know, so what's wrong with you that you can't say, Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus? So every little thing that we say, we need to really be careful with and make it right with the Lord. Because there were things that I had forgotten that the Holy Ghost had to tell me, hey, you need to make this right with your mom. You need to forgive your dad and talk to him about some things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just because we might have gotten by stuff and we've come to the Lord, if the Holy Ghost feels it's important, make it right with them. Okay, make it right with somebody you might have taken something from. I remember I was telling Ryan the other day, um, there was a guy, Peter Horton. I'll never forget this kid. We were in third grade, and, um, you know, he brought this book to school, and it was called Snakes as Pets. All right, so it was a cool book. You know, all the little kids are looking at it, eight years old and all. Um, <laughs> oh, man, well, you know, he sat the book down. I didn't have a book like that. So guess where it went? I picked it up and put it in my bag, you know, and figured, well, you know, I like this book. I want to keep it. So, um, man, I remember when the kid was crying and he wanted his book back. And um, the teachers, you know, were upset. They're like, well, this book didn't just crawl away. You know, who did it? You know, we got a thief in here, everybody. I want everybody to know that. So who's going to come forward then? So anyway, I was afraid, you know. I wanted to turn it in. I've tried turning it in several times in the morning, you know, before everyone comes to class. But just as I was getting ready to, you know, someone would run in. So I held on to the book and I held on to what I did to him. And, you know, the Lord even told me, you need to make that right. Even now, this happened uh, earlier this year. And I told Ryan, because I don't deal with Facebook and all of that. I said, Ryan, can you get in touch with this guy? His name is Peter Horton. I described him and everything. Ryan, um... <laughs> pulled up the picture and everything, Ryan messaged him, but the guy never responded back. But, you know, I'll probably try again too. But you know what? It's that important. That kid cried. 
He didn't have it. I know some people would say you were just a kid, but it's still something that you did wrong that needs to be brought to remembrance that you need to forgive. I mean, you need to ask for forgiveness for. So I felt moved by the Spirit to do that. I'll get in touch with him one of these days. But, you know, that's just an act of openly confessing something you did so the Lord can make it right. He said, if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive. So that's the sort of thing you don't want to hold in. Because, you know, I made a joke about it. Uh, I think um, one of the girls at work said, yeah, um, you laugh about it now, but you were grieved for all those years holding on to that kid's book. And I think I still have it in New York. I want to find it and send it to him, you know, but I just feel so bad that I did that to someone. So if you've done anything out there, I'm not telling anybody what to do. But if the Lord brings things to your remembrance, things you need to ask for forgiveness for, or you need to confess before the Lord, then make those confessions. If you've wronged someone, confess to that person what you did, because it can stunt your growth. Mm -hmm. And if it's brought to your remembrance, it's brought to your remembrance for a reason. That's right. Okay, so if you want to ignore it and play like that was a long time ago, hey, that may be held against you one day. So that's something that you want to make right with anybody. I'm talking husbands cheating on their wives, wives cheating on their husbands. I'm talking stealing from your sister as a kid or whatever you've done. If the Lord brings it to your remembrance to make it right, trust me, you might have felt like you got away with it, but you didn't. The Lord sees all things. You did not get away with what you did. <laughs> okay? And that's the last thing you want is that being brought up when you know that you had a chance to make it right. Now, if the person's gone, you can't get in touch with them. Ask the Lord to forgive you. But I'm saying that we do need to confess it to people as well. I think there's a scripture in here. I think it's Matthew, um, it's Matthew something where he says, as a matter of fact, let's go there. Matthew 5. We can conclude from there. There's not a whole lot you can say about the tongue, but it does a lot of damage. It does a lot of hurt. It does a lot of things to people. We just need to really watch it because everything that you think you've gotten away with come judgment day, man, it's going to be a sad time for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, let's see. All right, we'll start at 19, 5 and 19, Matthew 5 and 19. And it says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men, or teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, Ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill uh, shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, that means foolish or stupid, Okay, calling someone a fool shall be in danger of, of the council, but whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. You know how loosely we use that word? I mean, you know, we need to ask the Lord to really forgive us for the things we call people. 
because he's saying here, you know, even if you're angry, you know, with your brother, you've already committed the act. So your heart needs to be changed so that your mouth can have control. Yeah, Martin. What's the danger of the council? Who's the council? Well, that would be judged by the law also, or those that were around. But I think it could also be, you know, the later on council, which has come before the throne. But I believe in this moment he's talking about comparing the old law with the new, you know, the nine fruit of the spirit where there is no law. You know, you keep them, you keep the commandments. And the commandments, you know, are loving your brother, your neighbor as yourself, loving your Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. If you do those two things, it's impossible to break God's commandments. Why? You're doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, and you're loving the Lord. So there's no idolatry. There's no things outside of that. All right, so it says, um, Therefore, if thou bring of thy gift to, thy, to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother have ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. You see? So you have to make it right with people too, because some people think, I'll just run to the Lord with it. The Holy Ghost may say, wait a minute, I appreciate the gift, but this person you hurt, they need to hear humility, you need to apologize for what you did. But some people try and bring it to Lord to the Lord because, you know, well, I don't have to humble myself before anyone else. He's saying, if you bring any offering to me and you know that you're not right with your brother, make it right with him so I can make it right with you. Right. Like he says, if you forgive your brother, then the Lord will forgive you your trespasses. Right. So, you know, you have to, these are acts of doing what is right. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So he's saying that when the law gets involved, then you will pay for it, instead of humbling yourself if you're wrong. So it doesn't mean agree with your adversary if he's wrong. He's saying agree with them if you know that you're wrong. Man, just make it right. Why go to court? Why have a person do all this other stuff? Hey, man, I messed up. I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? And if that person chooses not to forgive you, then you're, you've made your peace with the Lord. But, you know, what we confess, what we do, what we, what we say is so important concerning our judgment and our walk with the Lord. You know, even the smallest of words will be brought into judgment. There is nothing more terrifying than that. He even says that teachers will receive the greater damnation if I'm up here teaching falsely. So, you know, we all want to teach and do things, but, hey, I always check, Lord, did I do right? Let me check this out with Scripture. There are times the Lord told me I said something wrong, that the following week, hey, guys, yeah, I thought I had that right, but actually it means this. You want to even make things like that right. Don't get puffed up in pride because everyone said, hey, good study. You know, yeah, they may say good study, but the Lord just said you taught something falsely. Mm -hmm. So you want to make things right, whatever comes out of your mouth, you want to think before you speak. Now, if no one has anything else to add, because this is kind of like a shorter study, you know, it's only based on controlling the tongue. You can commit murder with your tongue. You can commit all kinds of acts with your tongue. Just because you're gossiping, don't think for one minute you're not hurting someone. True. You know, you may not see the end result of it, but you don't know how far that trail carried. All right, so if um, no one has anything to add, yes, sir. I got one quick point. I 
brought this up in a previous study, but years ago, when I was in the Navy, I obviously wasn't serving the Lord, but I made mention of it in the study that even, you know, we still have to be careful about what we say, you know, in any situation, and uh, anyways, he and I were dating, but it didn't work out, and um, I got really mad because I didn't understand why he didn't want to, you know, continue to work it out, and I got angry, and I got so angry that I did something really dumb, and well, we all been there. Continue. Because of that, you know, he ended up never even wanting to be friends with me ever again. Now I made it right with him, you know, sometime later. But even still, even after the apology, it was just like, thanks for the apology, but we can never talk again. You know, I made it right with him, you know, because I feel like the Lord wanted me to. But still, I mean, it was just like I hurt him so much that it was like. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you can say things that can cut people so deep. Yeah. I mean, because I always feel like, even with friends too, and I ask the Lord to forgive me for this, but, you know, when friends argue, you might disagree, you may say things out of anger, but you often wonder if a friend tells you, you know, that's why your mother is a this, you know, or any of that. I mean, that's kind of like, man, you must have been thinking that for some time. <laughs> you yeah. know, some things, man, you can apologize and make it right with them and the Lord, but some ties are so severed because of this. They never see you the same. Now, the Lord has to work on them, but again, we have to make it right. Psalm 101, and we're done. And, you know, even with uh, people that, you know, um, Derek Prince tells a story about how sometimes having authority over people, we talked about this before, but what a parent says to a child, man, it, it can it can do so much damage, you know, to, to the point where um, Derek Prince feels that if there's authority that you may have over someone and you say something, that you can kind of put something on that person because you have that authority over them. Teachers have called students, oh, you're stupid. You'll never amount to nothing. You know, a teacher may have apologized, but do you realize how far that can even go with a child? How wounded a child can be just hearing something from their parent? Parents hearing their children say things? So, you know, you don't want to sever relationships. You really want to be careful with that sort of thing because uh, Derek Prince believes that blessing and cursings can come from it. You know, a father can bless his child. What Abraham said about Isaac and um and uh, Ishmael and, and uh, Jacob and Esau that Isaac said, all those things came true. And uh, we've gotten so far from thinking that if we were to say something in the Lord to bless your child, that it won't come to pass. That's how far we are from the faith, but there's nothing wrong with doing that. Dedicating a child to the Lord is one of the biggest things you can do, you know, because the Lord will take that with your consent. You agreed to do it, then this child is mine. I'm going to do what I need to do with them. All right, so Psalm 101 and verse 1, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come, un oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside, like turn back. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that have an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. 
Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house, and he that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Now you notice how often the tongue was mentioned here. We don't want to get caught up. We don't want to get cut off. Anything that we might have said, repent of it. Make it right. You know, humiliate yourself or, or you know, allow yourself to be humble before the Lord. That's better than dealing with it on your permanent report card. Because when you get there, man, you know, it's just you and him. All right, so, I mean, no one else has anything to add. We can close up. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us. I want to thank you for another opportunity, Lord, that you have given us to where we can all come together, Lord, and, and learn about your truths, Lord. That we will take what was spoken tonight, Lord, home with us, and that we will think about it, Lord. And if we've done anything in our lives that have hurt someone out, Lord, if we've done anything in our lives, Lord, that have hurt you, that we will make it right before it's too late, Lord, before you come back, Lord, because we are not promised tomorrow. Lord, that we will seek your forgiveness upon our lives. That we will want to be those willing servants to do what you've called us to do. Lord, I'm so thankful for everything that you've done for us, given to us, blessed us with, and bestowed upon us. Lord, I'm so thankful for your true and holy word, and I pray that you would continue to let it dwell in our lives, Lord. And I am so thankful for this ministry that you've given us the opportunity to come together, Lord, as a family, that we will want to worship you more, that we will want to seek your calling upon our lives, Lord. And I'm praying, Lord, that though this ministry may be little, that it be mighty through you. Lord, that we seek after your godly wisdom, that we would want to transform our lives, Lord, to what you've made us to be in your image, Lord. Lord, that you will pour an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon this ministry so great that it would burst at the seams, Lord. And tonight, in the name of Jesus, because you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm praying tonight, Lord, I'm praying against all the false religions, all the false doctrines, Lord, all the false prophets that, led up, that have led people away and that have led them astray, Lord. And I'm praying tonight that we not be that way that this ministry is built upon you, that you are the rock of our salvation, our chief cornerstone. Lord, light a fire into this ministry so great that we will go out and preach and teach your gospel boldly, Lord, in the name of Jesus, filled with your Holy Spirit, with the spirit of discernment. Lord, I'm praying for each and every individual here tonight that you would touch their lives, Lord, that you will bless them. Lord, that they will seek after you, that we will fight our way into the kingdom of heaven, Lord, that we would be given into more prayer and fasting to kill off the flesh, Lord, that we can live in the spirit because that's where you are, Lord. You are in the spirit and that's where we need to be. We need to fight our way into the kingdom of heaven, Lord. And I'm praying tonight, Lord, that if there's anyone that needs a spiritual healing upon their lives, Lord, if there's anyone that has financial needs, if there's anyone, Lord, that is hurt on the inside so greatly that they don't know what to do, that they would come to you, Lord, and that they would seek you because you are the only one that can fill the void in our lives, Lord. Nothing else but you can fill that void in our lives. Lord, you said that your burden is easy and that your yoke is light. 
And I'm praying, Lord, that you would help us to understand that you are the only one that can give us true joy and peace. That we don't seek after the world, Lord, that we seek to be separated, Lord, sanctified, purified, Lord, unto you. I'm praying, Lord, that you help us, that the time that we have left, Lord, that we would want to go out and do your will. We don't know how much time that we have left, Lord, but I pray that we not fear any trials or tribulations or persecutions. Corrections, Lord, if there's anything in our life that we are not doing that is that is not right, Lord, in your sight, that we would seek after your correction, Lord, because you say that whoever you love, that you will correct. Lord, let us not fear that. Let us take it in. Let us change our lives according to your scripture. Let your light shine through us to the world. Lord, let us show your power to the world. Lord, let us seek after your gifts that we can heal the sick, raise the dead, Lord. Open blind eyes and deaf ears. Speak in new tongues. Because Satan, this is his kingdom, Lord. And he wants us to believe that those gifts are not real. But I believe that they are because your word says that they are real. And we can have them in our lives, Lord, if we have true faith and belief. So, Lord, let, let your power be in our lives, Lord, so greatly. Let us do these things that you've called us to do. I'm praying, Lord, in the name of Jesus, come upon this ministry tonight, Lord. Let everyone in, in, in here seek what you have for them upon their lives. Let, another, let not another day go by that everyone in here doesn't come before you, Lord, because you know what our every want and need is. Let us come before you, Lord, to seek your Holy Spirit, to seek to be humbled, Lord, that we be servants, that we're not hypocrites, Lord, but we are the true church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, what you've want us to be. Let us be your disciples, Lord Jesus. Let everything that we do glorify the name of Jesus, the name above all names. I pray, Lord, tonight that we will hunger and thirst after your word. Let us be built up every day to bring lost souls to you. That we will take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. And, Lord, if we have chinks in our armor, I pray that we would come to you so you can fix us, Lord, and send us back out into the battle. Place your shield of protection around us, Lord. I pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Guide and direct and lead us into your truth and into all truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.